1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash achieve today.
0: Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
0: Hello faithful listeners, Uh, this week's EAK is a little bit different, it's a conversation with Daisy who plays regular Clawless Beth in Spirit Box Radio about Shakespeare, it was going to be part of a thing that um, never ended up coming to fruition because it turns out that um, somebody I know um, actually makes a podcast that's pretty much this concept, it's called Hyperfixations and I was on it, I talked about figure skating, it was very fun, Um, but yeah, This is a conversation about Shakespeare with Daisy and it's just very freeform and interesting and she's got a lot of knowledge about Shakespeare and yeah, it's just really cool and I hope you enjoy listening to Daisy talk about something that they're really passionate about. Um, I learned a lot in this conversation and maybe you'll learn something too and if not, it's just like a really chill little chat. I hope you enjoy it. Sweet. Okay, so do you want to start by... (laughs) What's the... (laughs) <laughs> it's just my I'm ready face oh, 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 That's lovely It's a great I'm ready face <laughs> well, I thought thought because you laughed at it well, Yeah, because I thought you might have Been waiting to do more crimes <laughs> No <laughs> I wasn't I sure if it was an I'm ready face Or an I'm ready for crime face No,
1: it was
0: just an I'm ready face Okay, cool Spud spad. <laughs> spad. There, let's just leave that That's a word that doesn't mean anything Okay, so um. Tell us who you are and what you
1: do. I am Daisy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I this is going spectacularly.
1: Uh, I'm Daisy. I'm from North Wales. You're shouting. <laughs> I'm Daisy. <laughs> no, I know. It's not ASMR. I'm Daisy. I'm Daisy. I'm from North Wales. I am a theatre maker. Um, and in that, I act, I direct, um, I write, I do a little bit of producing. I'm the artistic director Of On We Go Productions, which is a production house and theatre company. Uh, We're new, it's cool, give us a follow. (laughs) Um, I am also a voice actor for Hanging Sloth Studios. I played Shelley in Clockwork Bird. Sorry, the cat's going psycho. I played Shelley in Clockwork Bird and I also play regular caller Beth in Spirit Box Radio.
0: Yes, you do. And we are also siblings.
1: We are siblings. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, which is uh, fun. Fun fact, we've done that introduction twice and both times Daisy seems to have forgotten we're related. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah, so that's cool. So what are you going to tell us about today? My boy
1: Billy Shakes.
0: Excellent. And would you say this is a passion, an obsession, <laughs> or a hyperfixation?
1: All three.
0: All three.
1: I have his words tattooed on my body. Spicy. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, it was spicy. It hurt quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> you were gonna ask that. me a question. I was, was going to ask you a question, Sorry, but it's go. fine. That
0: was funny. It's funny.
1: <laughs> um, enough. It was funny enough. <laughs> Kind of like, away. like when you go, ha, 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 I'm dying in a message and you're just sat <laughs> there going
0: huh. Where you where you've actually just gone <laughs> like soft inhale <laughs> out inhale, exhale <laughs> out the nose, like <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean. when I say lol, I'm just going
1: <laughs> Just for reference. Uh yeah It's been years since someone actually made you laugh. <laughs> I win <laughs>
0: Excellent stuff. We're getting off to a great start. So Shakespeare, it's an interesting one because mm-hmm. we share quite a lot of interests and obsessions. But my interest and engagement with Shakespeare as a subject is really minimal. And I went out of my way when I was a literature student <laughs> to avoid studying Shakespeare at all costs. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a kind of personal triumph that I managed that. But you really love Shakespeare.
1: I do. I adore Shakespeare. Um, I, think, I think people have the wrong idea. Because it's put it's so often put on this pedestal that, you know, Shakespeare's going and sitting in a grand theatre and not really understanding what anyone's talking about or um or you're forced to study it at school mm-hmm. um and then you hate it. Mm-hmm. Um but I think yeah, I think I think it's got a bad rep. It's got a bad rep.
0: Mm. I wouldn't say I hated it. It just wasn't something I had a particular interest in. In studying and I really disliked the way that it was engaged with in an academic environment I want to say yeah,
1: our high school was not no. that's not where my love of it came from it came from so I I, I did youth theatre from a very young age Like uh, me and Pip went to the same one from when I was like I was like 8 you were 12 uh, we were younger than that cause, were we? yeah we were younger than that. <laughs> um anyway, so from when we were young and then Pip left that youth group and then I ended up leaving it as well. And I found another one at Theatre Clode, which is my spiritual home. And um She just got
0: a job there, in fact.
1: <laughs> I did. I did just get a job there. It's very exciting. Um, but engaging with you know, just like the concept of theatre in a very Different way in a new, in a new way, and when I started there, Terry Hands was the artistic director. And I don't know if you know anything about Terry Hands, but
0: no, I don't. <laughs> presumably, he has hands, and his name is Terry. <laughs> um,
1: Terry Hands uh, was one of the artistic directors of um, the Royal Shakespeare Company, uh, and he won a lot of awards. So Shakespeare, w- w- especially when I was there, Shakespeare was a really big part of the identity of theatre cleared and, you know, in the rehearsal spaces we'd go to, there'd be posters from various shows that they did. So I came at it, I think, from a very non-academic point of view. I came at it from a theatre point of view and I think um, a lot of actors love doing it because it's, it's, like, duty to get your teeth into, whether you're doing a comedy or a tragedy.
0: Right. So how old were you then when you, like, first started to get into Shakespeare? Because if, if it was around the time that you were starting doing... Um, your Theatre cleared stuff. That strikes me as very young.
1: Yeah, I was like 11.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah, I was 11 and I remember... So there's a space called the Hayden Reese at Theatre cleared. At least I think it's still called the Hayden Reese. And in there, there used to be a big Twelfth night poster. And I used to see it all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Which one's the Hayden Reese? before you go on?
1: Oh, What's so... What's it like as a space? It's, it's not one of the main theatres. I don't think you'll have been in there. Mm-hmm. Because it's... Um, it's, it's like this little room mm. just kind of used as like re- rehearsal space, workspace. Um, Yeah. Like I had my interview in there the other day, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you, because you've never like been in anything there or done any work there. I don't think you'll have been in there, but um, yeah, it's just off from the gallery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a poster. It might've been in, the subs bar, actually, which led on from the Hayden Rees of mm. Twelfth Night. Yeah. You don't need to know the, <laughs> the layout of Theatre Cluid. Well, no, because
0: it's interesting because uh, Theatre Cluid isn't just a theatre space necessarily. Um no. And, like, how... Because there's, like, a gallery in it as well and there's a bar. And the bar is mostly a bar to go out when you're in going off in the interval um, between spaces. But it has this... It's got a cinema in it too and it feels yeah. kind of multi-purpose as a space. So I was just wondering, like, you know, so whereabouts you were.
1: So... I used to When I was in the very in this beginning bit of Theatre Clude Youth Theatre, uh, we used to do things called sharings instead of shows because shows puts a lot of pressure on little tiny 11-year-olds. So we used to do sharings when basically people would just come and see what we'd been working on and we'd be given a stimulus and we'd just make a show and it didn't matter if it wasn't perfect or if you messed up because it was just about the love of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And we did those in a space called The Clued Room. And so, you know, when you were in the Cluid, nobody listening. Well, I suppose somebody listening might have been in the Cluid room. Mm-hmm. There's a bit that's like half above it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I know what you mean. So it's kind of like an almost mezzanine space. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but there was this poster and I would stare at it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, weeks and obviously I knew, like I'd been to school. <laughs> I'd heard of Shakespeare. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I was in year seven. And... I just got curious, I think, like what is it? why is that poster there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so I kind of went and read up about Twelfth Night. I didn't start reading Shakespeare when I was eleven, mm-hmm. not off my own back anyway, um, but it wasn't that much. I think I was maybe thirteen when I read the first full play, I mean because I read like extracts of Twelfth Night, um, and I'd read. Yeah, it was kind of from there that I started reading about Shakespeare and his life and um before he was a playwright when he was an actor part of um I can't remember the name of the company that he was part of and doing all of that stuff. I just became fascinated with him as like a person. And then, yeah, I read my first play, maybe when I was maybe I was 12 or 13, which was As You Like It, which is the one I have tattooed on my arm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that. All the world's a stage, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the
1: world's a stage, and all the men and women. and players. 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, if you were introducing the one person on Earth who has never heard of Shakespeare, and you were trying to be like, so this is what Shakespeare is, what is like the headline thing, the most important thing about Shakespeare as a topic that you want someone interacting with it the first time to know?
1: So... So does it have to be to someone who's like never heard of Shakespeare?
0: No, not necessarily. <laughs> you can you can adapt the prompt.
1: I was I so I was just gonna say I, if you've never engaged with it or you only engaged with it at school, I say go in with an open mind, um, and try to forget any expectations or preconceptions that you have. And also that, you know, it is it is theatre, you're not supposed to you don't have to like everything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm I'm not a massive fan of the history plays. I think they're a little bit dull. Um but yeah, you don't you don't have to like everything. Um there will be one that you like because they're just stories about people and I think that's what I'd say. Remember that they're about people and I think the reason we're still watching and reading Shakespeare is because he's just writing about society and if there's anything we do know for sure it's that society doesn't really change, people don't really change. It's all cyclical. Yeah,
0: that's really interesting because I think um, sometimes when I've talked to other people who are into Shakespeare, one dominant narrative I see about people who are really engaged with Shakespeare in a contemporary sense and not in that kind of like hyper romanticized um, mm-hmm. Shakespearean actor oh, yeah. kind of vibe, yeah, yeah. That people who are engaging with it differently to that often have this sense of like. Um, Oh, it's you know, oh it's comedy and they lean really hard into how like low culture it is. And um Jessie is actually really into Shakespeare as well. And I know this is the thing that that really bugs Another her about radio. it. Yeah, Jessie Actor. Jessie um is uh, Kitty in Spirit Box Radio, and she was Alice in Clockwork Bird, and she lives here. I, I, I pointed upwards, us, yeah, when when I said Jesse, uh, even she, though that that doesn't that doesn't help anyone. Uh, she is upstairs, um, <laughs> but uh, that's that's irrelevant. Um, but yeah, so one thing that I know frustrates her, and I think is really coloured the way that I engage with other people's engagement with Shakespeare. It's <laughs> um, look, I'm an academic at heart. Um, is this idea of it of it of it only being low culture when that's not necessarily true which leads me to this i don't know this kind of really complicated question when it comes to to Shakespeare as mm-hmm. uh, as an idea and yeah. as an actual artist um is is there would you say there's a consensus about Shakespeare and do you agree with it if there is one
1: what do you mean by consensus like within the theater world within society or
0: Well, that's what's interesting about it. So, would you say there are, like, several contradicting concurrent consensuses
1: about Shakespeare? Uh, Well, like, in the main, I think generally speaking, it's, like, hoity-toity. Yeah. (laughs) And I completely get that, you know. Um, When you first approach it, the language can seem intimidating or you're like, what the fuck is going on? But if you've ever watched a Shakespeare and you've been like, what the fuck is going on? It's not a very good Shakespeare. Um, you don't have to understand every single way each line is written. Um, it's not been being well performed or well directed if you can't understand it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I think that's a a general consensus, and that oh, it's not for me. It's just for posh people. Right. Yeah. Um. And then on the other hand, there's that whole that what you were just saying. That you look. Like, no, it's for. It's not just for posh people. It was for the lower classes when like that's not strictly true. Like. He really wanted Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, well, they
0: had a lot of nobles there. They had boxes there, and, and yeah, Elizabeth well, would was, come to the shows.
1: Um, I think the the reason is, is because what theatre was to a society was different then, because it was one of your main sources of entertainment, and it was... So it was that and every,
0: executions.
1: Yeah. but So it was for everyone in the way that... The BBC is for everyone. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone is encouraged to engage with it, and everyone did engage with it, because there were different price points. Okay. I suppose that makes it more like Netflix. I mean, like, there are are different price points for you to engage with or for you to uh, interact with it at. You can stand, you can have a seat in the stalls, or you can have a box.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: It was theatre for everyone, and everyone did go. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone did go to theatre because...
0: What else are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to look at a goose?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it was, like, um, theatre, church, execution, pub. (laughs) (laughs) so things haven't
0: changed really (laughs) so for you then given that there are all these kind of like contacts and ways of engaging with shakespeare do you have like a standout like um experience of seeing shakespeare or reading something like whether it's a play or a supplementary piece that like has really like been like like an apex of what it had, or your just best, your favourite memory of it?
1: So, I saw two Shakespearean productions at Theatre Cluid. One was Terry Hans's last production ever that he directed before he retired. He has retired, retired. He has sadly now passed away. Um, but yeah, I saw the last thing he ever directed, which um, was Hamlet. Um, and it wasn't very
0: good. Oh, really?
1: That's interesting. Yeah, um, oh, I don't think. Hamlet was very well cast. Bear in mind, I did see it in previews because there was the privilege I got from being part of the theatre there. Um, when I saw it in previews, it didn't really start. But then it was—it got really good reviews. So maybe it improved after the previews. I don't know.
0: Please, previews. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> so I—I I have. I'm so sorry. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm so, I'm uncultured swine. So
1: before a show's um, official opening night, shows will have uh previews a uh, preview preview nights which usually like three four or five nights um where it's very much kind of still in rehearsal space not in rehearsal space it's on stage it's like they're just so a, like a rough of dress cut. rehearsals yeah it's you're going to watch a series of dress rehearsals and um you can get cheaper tickets to it and then you have opening night which is press night when all the press room I and everything has to be polished by and that's when everything gets reviewed.
0: Okay, all right, okay, I
1: get that. But it, part of having reviews is because you have an audience in and you get to see where they interact with stuff. A lot of Shakespeare, it's really important for Shakespeare, because a lot of Shakespeare, because it's iambic pent- pentameter, the rhythm of it is really important. Um. So, yeah, previews.
0: Interesting. I'm learning things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, that wasn't very good. And then, like, a couple of weeks later, there was a visiting company and... I cannot remember the name of this company, which breaks my heart because they were fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. They did a production of uh, Twelfth Night. Right. Uh, coming full circle. Uh, Twelfth Night, which uh, we got free tickets to because, mm. uh, again, the privilege of being part of the theatre. And, yeah, it was just it was just brilliant. So I don't know if... Um, for people who don't know, um, in Twelfth Night, there is a character who um, like kind of cross-dresses, goes undercover as a boy... And in order for that character to do that, she went through the audience and took pieces of clothing from the audience, like a man's coat and a man's hat and stuff like that. And um, there's a lot of stuff kind of about um, almost like hedonism in Twelfth Night and luxury and all of that and like big parties and stuff like that. And um, they ordered pizza for the audience and stuff like that. And it was very much interactive and a conversation. I'm a big believer that theatre is a conversation anyway. Mm -hmm. And it was very much playing into that. And it was very much um when a character's doing a soliloquy, they are talking to the audience. They're not just talking to themselves in a wobotide way, all sad and <laughs> they're to- they're having a conversation, they know the audience is there.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. That's and that was really brilliant. I loved it so much. And I think that's kind of set the standard for what I expect when I see Shakespeare, particularly the comedies. That level of interaction and acknowledgement of what's going on.
0: You have had it sounds like you've had like those of these kind of like almost transcendental experiences yeah. of, of Shakespeare has anything like any of these times where you've been kind of engaging with this thing that you love that have like really changed the tracks that your life is on
1: so our family goes to um there's a theater in story in storyhouse oh my god <laughs> there's a theater in Chester called Storyhouse, and every summer. They do an open air theatre in Grosvenor Park, and we go every year. It's like our one big like, like splashing splash we do. <laughs> and um, we saw um, A Midsummer Night's Dream, which I think is one of the best we've seen. Like, they've all been brilliant. They have. But something about A Midsummer Night's Dream, especially because it's one of the most well known works, I think there's a lot of pressure that comes along with doing it. And I thought it was done brilliantly. Mm. And I think just all of the way Storyhouse produces their Shakespeare made me realise that I could do that, even though... So there's a lot of... This is like theatre industry stuff now, and that kind of world that you have to have Shakespeare experience and you have to be trained in Shakespeare. Okay. But I don't I don't get that vibe from Storyhouse. I might be completely wrong and they might all be trained in Shakespeare, but I don't get that vibe at all right and it was kind of a holy shit i can do this yeah i can like make shakespeare and not just as like an actor it's not necessarily about what the words say it's about how you portray the words yeah and you can make shakespeare mean whatever you want it to mean don't know if that really answers the question
0: (laughs) no it does it does really answer the question in an interesting way because um i think um you know what kind of things and what kind of thoughts change the direction of your life are really different from person to person and mm-hmm. you know just the act of, of of going to see a piece of theatre outside in that context you know yeah it's it is an interesting kind of thing it is a different sort of experience yeah. and for for me it felt a lot more accessible my favorite Shakespeare um, I do have a favorite is um <laughs> the Tempest and that was my favourite one that we've seen at Storyhouse, and what I thought was remarkable about that performance, which I don't know that you saw,
1: I did. We were all there.
0: Was that it? It felt like it felt like a much more accessible version of the text.
1: Yeah, because they leaned into the comedy.
0: Yeah, and and that was that was interesting. So I think that I you know that that concept of like feeling like you can participate in it, because your your approach to theatre is very. Community focused, yeah. and like conversational and communicative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so like for you, it seems like theatre is primarily a mode of communication, which completely, uh, yeah. Um, and that's very interesting in terms of Shakespeare because it has this like many hundreds of years of uh, of study and yeah. performance that that layer up and and change things. And there are different like schools of Shakespeare thought.
1: Mm-hmm. And my favorite one is the Shakespeare's Gay thought.
0: Would you say there is there is a community like around Shakespeare specifically or is it like is it more like um you you interact with with theater folks who may or may not be interested in Shakespeare where are there like Shakespearean spaces that open up that you feel like you have a connection with
1: um there might be Shakespearean spaces not that I feel like I have a connection with like um so the Centre for Shakespeare is in Birmingham, and they run MA courses. So I suppose if there is a space, it's there. Yeah. But that's not something I've ever engaged with. Um, From my experience, almost every theatre maker I've ever engaged with has some sort of relationship with Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Because it's part of English literature, it's part of drama when you study it at high school or sixth form or college. Um. It's even part of, like, most university courses, I think. Um, in some, not mine. <laughs> in some capacity, like, it's in there. So it's not that there's not, like, a, like a community of Shakespeare people. Mm-hmm. I suppose there is with, like, the academics. And like you mentioned earlier, there are Shakespearean actors.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but I think, and I don't want there to be. Right. I don't want there to be a space that's just about Shakespeare because I think that takes away... like, it, I think Shakespeare's on a pedestal and it shouldn't be. Okay. It shouldn't be held up as better than other pieces of work. It shouldn't be held up as... I think there's a tendency, especially with actors, that Shakespeare's the thing you should be working towards. Right, okay. And I, I don't think that's right. I think it's just theatre. <laughs> it's not special. I mean, I think it's special because I love it and I think he's a fantastic writer, but it's not special theatre it's not it's not better than others because it's shakespeare
0: yeah oh that's interesting one of the things that's always puzzled me about shakespeare and that i found quite frustrating is that so much of shakespeare's contemporaries work has been lost mm-hmm. and it seems to me that um this it's partly just like the fetishization and romanticization of old things that yeah. makes people that make people think that Shakespeare is this like brilliant thing. But it's just like it's lasted a long time, but it's not necessarily that it's lasted the test of time. It's that it's one of the only things from that time.
1: And he's one of, you know, one of the few writers at the time who thought to write shit down.
0: Well, this is another thing I was gonna ask you if you knew anything about this, because I don't know how true or not this is. Um, but I have heard that mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what the text of Shakespeare is is not necessarily, like, Shakespeare, as Shakespeare would have written it down because not a lot of it actually was written down contemporaneously. Yeah. So a lot of it is just what was written down from what, basically, actors and crew could remember from productions.
1: Yeah, kind of. Um, a lot of it was he would write it down, like, after the fact. Like, he himself would write it. Um I think it's Romeo and Juliet that happened with like there was a perfor- there was performances of it before there was a written version that people could access.
0: For some reason, that's just sprung up that story and um, of that uh, performance of um, an Easter play at some kid's school, and it went really really hard. And um, there was a bit where one kid, the kid who was playing Jesus, had to stand up on a chair. And spread his arms out like he was getting crucified. And uh, in one performance of this, the chair collapsed and the boy fell over. And um, one of the kids, uh, who was a guard, who I presume has gone on to have a spectacular career in live comedy, um, (laughs) without missing a beat, apparently just turned to the audience and said, Well, you get off this time, Jesus! (laughs) great i can't Um, remember for the life of me where i heard that but yeah so uh
1: and but yeah that as far as i know that's true so the the shakespeare text i studied at a level was measure for measure just one of the lesser known ones i think um sure it's certainly not one of the most performed um but measure for measure has unfinished bits it's got um soliloquies in the wrong place how are they in the wrong place so um there's a soliloquy quite late on from one of the characters that when when you're reading it you'll go this would make sense if it was earlier on right okay and that leads me to believe that possibly
0: that someone was, dropped it
1: or what you were saying <laughs> like it was written down in the way people remembered it. And they went oh no i did say this bit and that's where it got put in and it's one of the later plays as well. And because of that, because also everybody was really bad at writing shit down or at least keeping the paper that it was written on. Mm. Um, there's probably more that yeah. we don't know. Well, we know that there is.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. Like, what if um, there, are, there are plays that are like, I know that art and the quality of art is like subjective and mm. um, the way that we engage with um, theatre is like very much to do with your own taste and like what kind of things that you enjoy um and i think yeah. that's an, you know, like you were saying earlier like uh, you're not going to like everything and that's fine yeah. um so it's <laughs> just but what if there's like a, there's this great shape, the best Shakespeare play like if we were to talk to someone from uh, when these the, when these plays were initially being performed Yeah. and they'd all be like god no the the best ones uh, the tree in the garden like what are you talking <laughs> about and she's yeah. like what the hell what is the, the, tree, in the tree in the garden <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like, I, oh no, it's his masterpiece. Yeah. It's
1: completely possible. It's completely possible. Mm. It's completely possible that people were in the business of writing shit down. Yeah,
0: that's totally wild. Um, Okay. So I think we should probably think about wrapping this up. We've been here for some time. Um, <laughs> How long have we been here? Um, about 45 minutes. Nice. Yeah. It's a good chunk of time. Um, So let's go for one extremely esoteric fact about Shakespeare. Like... The weirdest, strangest, obscurest thing that you can pluck out of your brain.
1: I really like the fact that he died on his birthday. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty it's, common it's, knowledge. I know it's common knowledge, but I do like that fact. Yeah, it is interesting. I feel like that's like Funny. the work of an artist. The gay thing. I like that as well. That I think it's Sonic 45. They're like fairly certain. Well, there's a lot of plays. Not... Plays, well, probably the plays, but a lot of sonnets <laughs> that are probably about a man because mm. a lot of the language he uses was typically used to describe a man. His massive cock, he <laughs> says. <laughs> also, he's married. I remember when I first read that he was married to Anne Hathaway, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? Don't go breaking my heart.
0: Anyway, um, we watched that saw... the other day.
1: Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, we did. Um, that. I, just saying, you saying you watched it, then it reminded me like um, how much modern stuff is based on Shakespeare. I think it's really cool.
0: Okay, what's the weirdest thing that you can think of off the top of your head?
1: Ten things I hear about you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that was fun. I didn't really think about that being Shakespeare until we watched it as a collective, and um, Jesse mm-hmm. was saying about it. Jesse and Alex were having a really interesting conversation about it because that's um, is it. Which one is it?
1: It's... Is it not The Taming of the Shrew? I was going to say The Taming of the
0: Shrew because that's there.
1: That, that play is rough. Okay. That play is rough. <laughs> um, I trying not think of other things I wanted to mention. Okay. Uh, I fucking hate Romeo and Juliet. You hate Romeo and Juliet? And really, well... When you think of it... correct. So this is the one thing that I'm like, you're all getting it wrong. Right. Because, as I'm sure you can tell, <laughs> I'm a big believer in that. Uh, like what Pip was saying, you... you Interpret stuff the way you interpret it, um, and you uh, your reaction to Shakespeare is going to be different to my reaction to Shakespeare. And if you still think it's Ponzi shit, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it, and I think it is when it's done well. When it's done as a conversation, it's it's brilliant. Uh, Romeo and Juliet is not a fucking love story. Yeah, it's not a love story, and it makes me so mad that that's what it's held up as by so many people going, oh, they were Romeo and Juliet. No. That means that they die. That Taylor Swift song makes me laugh. Yeah. It's a love
0: story. Baby just said, they died. They They died. They all died. It was (laughs) like
1: when there was that Tumblr post that was like, what if if he's my Romeo, but I'm not his Juliet? And then someone was like, that means you're Rosalind and you survived the fucking play. (laughs) Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. No, it's not. It's not about them. It's not about Romeo and Juliet. It's It's about the families.
1: It's about the families and how that, feud is fucking killed their children their children their children, and children die their children die and like um mercutio died spoilers
0: <laughs> spoilers <laughs> for romeo and juliet by the way <laughs> mercutio
1: dies. tibble die tibble tibble yeah tibble dies because um but also that fucking friar i think that friar's shit oh yeah like you could uh, this is one of
0: those so one of my one of my I, I hate these things. I also hate the term pet peeve, which makes discussing pet peeves really <laughs> difficult. Because pet peeve as a term is one of mine, and I, I just hate it. And um, but like I, one of the, my least favorite things in media is that um, the you, you could have just explained that. You could have mm-hmm. just you could just explained that, which is gonna irritate a lot of the fans listening to this because there's so much stuff that is adjacent to that in Spirit Box Radio. But I think what I'm doing in Spirit Box Radio is engaging with that idea <laughs> rather than just like doing it. Like, <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff where it's just like people are explicitly forbidden from telling you stuff and it's really annoying. But what I'm trying to do in those moments is foreground how annoying it is that this
1: happens. Yeah, yeah. And that's
0: why the friar is so annoying in Romeo and Juliet. I completely mm-hmm. agree with you.
1: And I just yeah, it's not a love story you're told in the beginning the prologue is about how they die yeah like fuck off yeah. it's not a love story it's no. a tragedy when you look up the categories of Shakespeare plays it's a tragedy mm-hmm. get over it
0: I, I used just... to think my life was a romance <laughs> so but was... it's a tragedy <laughs> I've seen Joker I have actually seen it it was a bad time Um.
1: bad bad time I've just remembered another one that's uh, another modern thing that's yeah. um, She's the man. Is Twelfth Night right? Do you know she's the man? No. Amanda Bynes, Channing Tatum. Amanda Bynes put tamp puts a tampon up her nose. No idea. For the people out there listening, <laughs> please uh, send Pip uh, your thoughts on She's the Man on Twitter at Pip <laughs> That's P I double P I N E I R A. Please tell them all about She's the Man.
0: Thanks. I think. Uh... Right. Um, I may have just subjected myself. This is the kind of thing that when Jesse and Alex find out I've not seen it, I will be harassed into watching it. But not in a, mean, bad a bad way. Film. Not in a bad way. It sounds bad. Oh, well, I'm horrendous. not going to lie. Um, just She's in that. disguise
1: as like a man. That's why she puts the tampon up and it doesn't make it make more sense.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> no. doesn't really help there. Um,
1: but yeah, I love Shakespeare. I think it's for everyone. Don't think that you're not clever enough for it because you are. Cool. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up.
0: Well, thank you. So much for coming and hanging out and telling me about your um, subject of esoteric knowledge. <laughs> I've I've learned a lot. This has been great. I'm really glad that we changed plans actually, because yeah. uh, this was very last minute as your topic. Uh, yeah. Uh, luckily, like me, Daisy is a person with many esoteric interests. Yeah. Um,
1: I I don't really like things. I just make them my personality.
0: Yeah. That's that's. That's super fucking valid of you. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't think you're not clever enough for it um, because you are. It, it's not an exclusive club. Don't listen to people. And find the Shakespeare that's not in a, a big grand theatre where it costs 70 quid a ticket. Find the... Like, there's a park round the corner from my house in North Wales and a travelling theatre company came and did a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Like, there's Shakespeare going on everywhere. It's about people. If you are a person, there will be a play in there that resonates with you and that will make you think differently about the world. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay,
0: and that's all for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed listening to Daisy talking about Shakespeare and maybe you learned something and maybe you'll reconsider your initial interactions with Shakespeare. I don't know. I certainly did. I think of Shakespeare differently after this conversation. If you have any questions for me or any other members of the Spirit Box Radiocast, including Daisy, feel free to shoot us a question on the question and answer form which is at hangsawstudios.com forward slash qna that's the letters qna there's a link in the show notes of this episode if you want to go and check it out that will be open until midnight uk time tonight so you've got a few hours left if you want to get a question in and then it will be closing because i will be recording the QA session sometime tomorrow probably so i really need those questions in so i can get it all done um i hope you enjoyed listening and i'll speak to you guys next week in next week's ea